My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and, after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. This is the word of God. Meet Julie, a church every Sunday, goes to the Bible study group, listens to sermons online, listens to Christian music while she's doing chores. But everyone knows you don't want to get on the wrong side of Julie. She's got a tongue as sharp as a knife and several people have left the church because Julie fell out with them and she made sure everyone heard her side of the story. Now meet Jenny. Jenny would call herself a Christian, but she has more of a practical faith. She knows God is there, so she doesn't feel the need to read about him in a book or go to church and hear someone else talking about him. She prefers to express her faith by serving at the local food bank and this homeless shelter and since the beginning of lockdown she's been rushed off her feet looking after elderly neighbours who need help. After all, the heart of Christianity, Jenny says, is just to be a good, caring person. Or here's Derek. Derek's at church most weeks. He's saved, been a Christian all his life. And he's really passionate about social justice. He spends all his time and energy protesting, campaigning and working for those who are underrepresented in society. But Derek's recently started a relationship with someone he met at a protest and now they're regularly sleeping together. And lastly, Dave. Dave looks down on guys like Derek. He's proud of how he's managed to keep himself sexually pure in body and mind. To Dave, knowing the gospel is the most important thing, and he spends all his spare time reading big books about theology. So when his vicar asked if he could help out by doing some shopping for some of the older, less mobile folks in the congregation, Dave declined because it would have eaten into his study time too much. Julie, Jenny, Derek, Dave. Who should we be more like? sharp-tongued Julie, who loves to listen to God's word, or gentle Jenny, who shows a practical love for others but doesn't have too much time for the Bible. Social justice campaigner Derek, whose concern for others is not matched by a concern for personal holiness, or Dave, who pursues personal holiness but has no time to serve others. Who should we be more like? And if you've already given an answer in your head, 
or maybe even out loud at home. Let me ask you, did you lean in favour of the one who was most like you? I know I did. Last week we started a new book in the, in the new series in the book of James and as we said it's often thought of as one of the more practical books of the Bible with the highest concentration of direct instructions of any of the New Testament letters. So what does practical James say? Should we be those who listen or those who do? Should we seek personal holiness or serve others? And James says no. No we shouldn't. We should be all of those things. We shouldn't have a Christianity that is either or, but that is both and. James won't let us happily sit on our side of the fence and throw rocks at people on the other side. And nor will he let us sit on the fence in some kind of mushy middle ground. James calls us to a both and Christianity. Listen and act. Pursue personal holiness and serve others. We should listen to what God says and we should do it. As we saw last week, James's concern is for us to have a faith that is wholehearted. The faith of chapter 1 verse 4, a persevering faith that stands the test so that we may be mature and complete. A faith that is not double-minded, as he warns us in chapter 1 verse 8, an idea which we'll come back to again shortly. So what does this both-and faith look like? Well, today James says to us, be quick to listen, but be careful not to listen uselessly, and then be quick to obey. Be quick to listen, but don't listen uselessly. Be quick to obey. Straight out of the gate, James comes at us with another of his unexpected, seemingly abrupt topic changes. Verse 19, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. But as so often when we look at the context, it's not as abrupt as it might initially seem. It links closely to what comes before and what comes after. James has just pointed us to God's bringing us to new birth through, verse 18, the word of truth. And then if we keep looking for that word as we go through, we see that that theme of the word to which we must listen runs throughout this passage, verse 21, humbly accept the word planted in you. Verse 22, do not merely listen to the word. Verse 23, anyone who listens to the word. Verse 25, look intently into the perfect law, into the word of God. Now, our words and our tongues are a huge topic in, uh, in James, and we'll return in detail to that idea in James chapter 3. But today, the, most, the biggest takeaway for us is simply how fundamental listening is as the essential first step to the wholehearted faith James wants us to have. James wants us to have a posture of listening in all of life. Unless we're prepared to listen to God, then we'll never grow, never mature, never reach the wholehearted faith that James wants us to have. But that practice begins in the everyday. Note that James says everyone, everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Not just quiet people should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Not just those who aren't leaders, as if it's okay for leaders to be quick to speak and slow to listen. Everyone, 
even if it's your personality, to talk more than you listen. There's no shelter here, as there never is with any of the Bible, Bible's commands, to say that's just the kind of person I am. Everyone, James says, everyone should be slow to speak and quick to listen. Quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. And again, this might seem slightly arbitrary, but in this context, the first aspect of anger which we should note is that the angrier we are, the less able we are to listen. All of us will know that from arguments that we've had. The angrier we are, the less able we are to listen. This is how one of the commentators really helpfully describes it. If we do not have a listening ear in the ordinary circumstances of life, we don't suddenly become different people when we shut the door and open up the Bible. We must cultivate over the whole area of life those virtues and practices which will pay dividends when we turn our minds to God and to his word. And this is the really kind of really nails it here. The great talker is rarely a great listener and never is the ear more firmly closed than when anger takes over. Never is the ear more firmly closed than when anger takes over. But James goes even further and he says in the next verse, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Now that is not to say that there can never be a righteous anger. Um, in other New Testament books we say that that is possible. Um, James is, is kind of a direct talker, a straight talker, he's not wanting to waste any time with any caveats here. There can be a righteous anger. We should be angry about injustice. We should be angry about racism. We should be angry about innocent victims of crime. We should be angry that God's name is defamed, taken in vain, both by those who openly hate him, as well as by those who profess his name but teach falsehood or bring him into disrepute by their unrighteous lives. God is angered by all of those things, and we should be too. But we shouldn't just be angry, not least because anger at the unrighteousness of others is so often a way of covering up for our own failings. To play up the sins of others allows us to play down our own. To see the speck in the eye of others, you might say, without seeing the plank in our own eye. Human anger, James says, does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So what is the righteousness that God desires? Verse 21, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. The righteousness that God desires is not first an external getting worked up about stuff over there, but first an internal expulsion of moral filth. The sins that pollute our souls, as James says in verse 27, and of the evil that is so prevalent, that is, the sins that are accepted and even praised by the culture around us and are pressed upon us through TV, films, music, advertising, almost everywhere we look. The righteousness that God desires comes first from an intentional desire to fight sin in our lives wherever we find it. And then, as we humbly accept God's word that has been planted in us. 
Remember James is addressing Christians here, so see how he repeatedly refers to them as brothers and sisters throughout the letter. And here he refers to the word that was planted in them, i.e. planted and took root when they professed faith in Christ. So he's speaking to people with faith, people in whom God's word has been planted as, a, as like a seed in the soil. And it's as if he says, OK, the word's been planted in you. What kind of soil are you going to be? Are you going to be like rocky soil where the seed springs up quickly, but then the heat of trials comes and your faith withers and dies? Or like seed that falls among thorns and that sprouts and grows, but then the temptations of sin come in like those thorns and choke the word, making it unfruitful? Or are you going to be good soil and humbly accept the word? Well, how do we do that? Well, we don't listen uselessly. Verses 22 to 25. Verse 22, James says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says, blunt as always. Don't just listen, do what it says. Do listen, do listen. Listening is the right place to start. Fail to listen and you might expend all your energy doing things that seem worthy, but ultimately fail to save yourself. Listen, but don't merely listen. And James then gives us a vivid illustration of this. Look with me at verse 23. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and, after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Imagine someone uh, walking along quickly, glancing into a mirror, and they do notice that their hair's all over the place or they've got chocolate around their mouth or yogurt on their nose. But rather than do anything about it, they carry straight on and immediately forget what they look like. How stupid. And James says that is us when we read our Bibles or listen to a sermon and we realise that God wants us to change and perhaps we even feel some conviction. We think, yeah, and no, I, I really need to change. But then the sermon's over, we've closed our Bible and we go away and nothing changes. We don't do anything about it. And James would say to us, how stupid. That is useless listening. And yet, how often we do that. And James says, if we think we're benefiting just by reading, just by listening, but there's no obedience in our lives, James says, we deceive ourselves. So how then should we listen? Well, verse 25, however, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Once again, we see the both and nature of faith that James wants us to have. There is an intent looking here, not a passing glance, not church once a month, a occasional opening of the Bible, but a genuine desire to hear and learn. But James's main point, listening alone, mere listening, is not enough. It is the one who does what the word says who will be blessed in what they do. Because see also how James describes the law, by which he means all of God's instruction for how we can live a good life, the perfect law that brings freedom. We tend to think of God's law as restrictive. Even as Christians, we can fall into thinking that 
well, what is just enough of God's law that I can keep to stay on his good side, but I'll run the rest of my life? What a perfect example of the double-mindedness that James speaks of in chapter 1, verse 8. And when we try to do that, live half in, half out, one foot in this boat, one foot in that, constantly looking around to see if there might be a better option than what God has said for us. That is actually the most trapped, least free way to be. Whereas to lean fully on God, to commit wholeheartedly to him, to trust that his ways are good, that his plans for us are good, that his purposes for our lives are good. When we stop trying to grab back bits of our lives that we say we've committed over to him, that is where the true freedom lies. And I wish I was speaking from the experience of always living that way. Sometimes, yes, but not all the time by any means. I wish this was how all of us lived. All, 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 all how I lived all of the time. To be sure, none of us will ever manage to live like this every single day, day in, day out. We will always have to battle sin, fight against double-mindedness. But James wants us to have this vision to believe that this is the better way rather than trying to keep hold of our lives for ourselves that the wholehearted life the listen and obey life well that is the truly blessed life well that brings us to our last few verses be quick to obey read with me verses 26 and 27 those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Now, James, where he says that religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, James is not looking to lay out a comprehensive definition of religion, but here with the tongue, with care for the vulnerable and concern for holiness, James gives us three areas of Will we obey the word of useless listening if we listen but do not actually obey? Now, all three of these we're going to look at in much greater detail in future weeks. So for time now, uh, we get a free pass this week, but get ready to be challenged on them by James in future weeks. Well, we saw verse 22. Those who only listen to the word deceive themselves if they do not also do what it says. And here James is giving us a worked example of listening but not doing well then as we close where are we doing on our both and christianity are you a julie you love reading the bible listening to sermons christian podcasts praise music but your tongue let's rip maybe in private maybe in public maybe both well we need to take seriously the command to keep a tight rein on our tongues and if we have no concern to do so our faith James says is worthless keep listening but let's also do what the word says a wholehearted both and faith or are we a Jenny too busy rushing around to serve people to stop and listen to look intently into the perfect law that brings freedom Jenny thinks she knows God but does she really if she will never stop and listen to him. Keep loving and serving those around you 
but listen carefully to God's word, a wholehearted both and faith. Rawia Derek, again, serving others, committed to changing the world for the better, rightly angry about evil and injustice out there, but unconcerned about the encroachment of evil, the pollution of worldliness, of sexual immorality seeping into his own heart. To Derek, James would say, keep campaigning, but get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you. Seek the righteousness that God desires in your life, a wholehearted both and faith. Or are we a Dave? Love theology, love doctrine, think hard about God, but have no time to serve others. Today, James would say, keep reading, keep listening, keep thinking, but pursue a religion that is pure and faultless in God's sight, active, loving those around us who are in need. And we'll be thinking lots more about that in future weeks. A wholehearted both and faith. Well, let's pray then that that is the work that God would do in us. Plant his word in us. And then as we go on in life, not just to listen, but to obey. And where we realise there's need for change, maybe even today, conviction has come to us. Not to walk away and forget but to repent and commit to obedience. Let's pray that now. Father God, we pray, please indeed work in us. Give us that vision that the life of listening and obeying you in all of your word is the blessed life. Please, Father, we pray for each one of us. Give us wholehearted lives of faith. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.